promise God will speak to us today because I've been having this word in my heart for a couple weeks. Last week, we celebrated 10 years of marriage, me and my wife. <laughs> Praise God. Um, I know to some people that's like, oh, 10 years, you know, that's not a lot. But in today's day and age, I'm a vet. So praise the Lord for that. We went to on a trip and uh, God just, he, he's, you know, on the last night, God, let's just say God spoke to us in an Uber ride. So we were, uh, we were just, we went to have dinner. It was the last night. It was our actual anniversary. And uh, we took an Uber back to, uh, to the hotel. And um, you do this thing where it's like carpool and like, Random people are just gonna get in there with you, and the it's already random with some, with some driver, right? And then uh, she was nice, um, and then some. Uh, we went to pick up another couple who were probably in their 70s. Uh, I'm a good uh, guess, and um, they got in the car, and they were just so happy, and and what are you guys doing here? And like, oh, we live not so far away, and my daughter was celebrating her graduation. Oh, that's awesome. And we started to talk and like all of a sudden all five of us are talking in the car. Mind you, I'm sitting in the middle in the back. They start talking about how uh, somehow, I don't know how it came up, that they had adopted her. So when they were, when they were younger and just recently married, she had like seven miscarriages. They couldn't have kids. And then she told her husband... These are uh, people that believe they have faith in, in the Lord. And they, she told her husband, okay, do we want to be, do we want to have a baby or do we want to have, or do we want to be parents? If we want to be parents, let's just adopt. So she called some agency and like two days later, they called her, hey, there's a baby. The mom likes your profile. Come and meet her. They met, they liked, boom, daughter. And then I think two or three years later, they had a natural son. And so they were telling us this whole story, and me and Cynthia are like, okay, God, this is all you for sure. And then we're like, you know what? Like, this is our situation, and we've been thinking about adoption, we told them. And they were like, oh, my gosh, like, this is so God. And she got uh, Cynthia's phone number. They've been talking this whole time since we've met them. But they're awesome, and, and like... Now they're, she's saying, I want you guys to meet my daughter and blah, blah, blah. So it was a God thing for sure, a very, very God thing. And I give glory to him because what I took from it is the Lord was saying happy anniversary to both of us. So it was really special. So we celebrated our 10 years, and uh, I'm really happy and excited. Um, right before we left on our trip, I found out that I got a promotion at work, and I'm, I'm going to start it. So I'm just testifying, I'm, and I'm and, uh, going to be doing something different. Yes, I'm going to be more busy now, <laughs> but more money, and, uh, and, and just like, you know, really stepping up in, in, at work. So praise the Lord for that, and I'm really happy about that. And I just encourage you, uh, you know, to be obedient to the call of God on your life. When he teaches you something, even if it's at work, I've learned a lot, so much about myself at work, where I've had to grow and change and mature in some areas, and it's, it's paid off, amen? Because, you know, we're children of God, and, and God is always teaching us, so praise the Lord for that. Today, we're going to continue our series called Elementary in the Book of Hebrews, 
chapter 6, if you can go with me there. Um, Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1. Are you there? Amen. It says, so let us stop going over the basic teachings about Christ again and again. Let us go instead and become mature in our understanding. Surely we don't need to start again with the fundamentals, uh, with the fundamental importance of repenting from evil deeds and placing our faith in God. You don't need further instruction about baptisms, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And so, God willing, we will move forward to further understanding. Amen? So let's pray. Uh, let's ask God to speak to us. There's a particular uh, sort of phrase that we're going to talk about there today. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for your presence and your goodness. I ask that you open all the hearts, the minds of all of us, God, and that we would learn from you, God. Speak to us, Holy Spirit. Use me as your vessel, God. We're here to serve you, to hear from you, and to love on each other, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. You want the Lord to speak to you this afternoon? Amen. I mean, that's why you're here, right? So um, we've been going over uh, some of these fundamental uh, principles that the writer in Hebrews talks about. The first time we talked about repenting from dead works, or, or in this version it says evil deeds, and placing our faith toward God, sort of getting rid of the old stuff, trying to be accepted by our deeds, and even our evil deeds, and repenting from that and moving toward faith in God. Amen. We can't argue about these principles. These are foundational. Uh, the reason we call it elementary, because some, some versions say elementary principles, and it's not meant to be simplistic. It's meant to just be foundational. We can't argue about these things. These are just things that we should all agree on. Amen? So the other thing that we talked about was resurrection of the dead. We talked about that on Easter. Amen? Because Jesus Christ resurrected, and without him being resurrected, I think I don't think this would all work, to be honest with you. So Paul says, you know, our faith would be in vain if Jesus Christ did not resurrect. Amen? Today we're going to talk about this phrase. It says... Where are you? Ah, you don't need, verse 2, further instruction about baptisms, the laying on of hands. That's it. <laughs> you don't need further instruction about baptisms and the laying on of hands. Amen? So this, this idea here, and uh, I drank some coffee this morning, and it, forget it. I'm so, like, jittery. And uh, so, yeah, so pardon me. So this big idea here of baptisms is about, and laying on of the hands, we're combining those two, is about being cleansed. Amen? It's about purity. So I, I subtitled this, So Fresh and So Clean. Amen? Now some of you may recognize that from a song back in the day, you should repent. Okay? Even though I called it that. <laughs> so if you have heard that song, you know that they were talking about outside appearance in a song called So Fresh and so clean, sort of like this. No, I'm just kidding. But what I want to talk to you about is being fresh and clean on the inside where it actually counts and it matters. Amen? So the question is, how do I get clean and how do I stay clean? That's the question. I think a lot of us tackle this idea of, like, how do we get clean? And we stop there and we don't do practical things that remain in our faith toward believing that we are clean, if that makes sense. Because the question that I ask is, how do we get clean and stay clean implies that we get dirty. So I will answer that question today. Do we get dirty? Okay, maybe. 
Maybe not. I don't know. Okay, maybe. We'll see. All right. Do I need the blood of Jesus every day? Or was once enough? Do I need to plead the blood of Jesus every day or in every situation? I plead the blood of Jesus. What is the blood for? Amen? So I'm going to get a little illustrative. If you would turn your Bibles to the book of Leviticus. Yes, that is in the Old Testament. That is the third uh, uh, book. (laughs) I'll get it. Leviticus 16. Let me know when you're there. Amen? Amen? Okay, so it would be awesome for me to read this whole thing, but it would be too long, okay? Plus, it wouldn't be as fun, right? So Leviticus 16 tells us about the Day of Atonement. Can you say Day of Atonement? So the Day of Atonement is when all the sins were purified and cleansed from the past year. Wow, that's a good deal. So I, I messed up all year, and here comes the Day of Atonement, and boom, I'm forgiven. So this is what would happen. Are you ready? All right. So God tells Moses to tell Aaron. Aaron is the high priest. Okay? Aaron is the one that's going to uh, do the, the Day of Atonement. He's going to go through this journey and this process, and this is what it is. So he's going to take a bull, and he's going to take two goats. Okay? So he's going to take a bull, and he's going to sacrifice the bull. And the bull is to cleanse him and his family because he, he needs cleansing too. Amen? So then he's going to take the two goats, and he's going to say, okay, I'm going to pick one of these goats to be the sacrifice. So he's going to do holy lots is what the Bible calls them. We're going to call it, I don't know, holy, eeny, meeny, miny, mo. And we're going to pick one goat and we're going to sacrifice that goat. This is to pay for the sins and the, to atone for the sins of the people. Are you with me so far? So he sacrifices a bull for himself and his family and a goat for the people. Now He takes the blood And he can't be in his regular clothes of a priest. He has to be in different type of clothing, some linen clothing that were special for this day of atonement. So he's in the outer courts. The outer courts were this outside place where the sacrifice would would happen, right? And then the next place is the the most uh, the holy place, and then the place after that is the most holy place. So he was to take the blood of the bull for himself because he's dirty, and he was to take the blood of the goat because the people are dirty and he was to walk in with the blood in the most holy place and the holy place excuse me that's the first room and then he was to walk through a veil into the most holy place he was to take a finger of the bull's blood cuz he's dirty now if he doesn't do it this way he's going to die so no one can be in the tabernacle. No one can even be on the outside part right now. No one can be in the holy place, and definitely nobody can be in the most holy place. No one can touch him. If anything goes wrong in the process, in the journey, forget it. He's dead, and pretty much everyone else is too, because that's the only thing they have. So he has to take the bull's blood. He has to get his finger and sprinkle in on this thing called the Ark of the Covenant. You guys know what the Ark of the Covenant is? You've seen Indiana Jones, I'm sure. The Ark, the Ark of the Covenant was this box of wood covered in gold and it had this, this thing on top of it that covered it called the mercy seat. Amen. And on top of that, it had two angels facing each other. Amen. Are you with me so far? You seen the picture? 
All right, so he took the bull's blood, sprinkled it on top of the mercy seat seven times. All right, cool, I'm clean. Put the bull's blood down here. Get the goat's blood, sprinkle it seven times for the people. Okay, the people are clean, but it's not over yet. So he has to walk out with the goat's blood and sprinkle in, in the tabernacle everywhere. And then he's, he's on his way outside to the outer courts. Are you with me so far? Before he goes out, he has to take his clothes off, the special clothes, and leave them in the holy place. And he has to get, wash himself and get into his regular priestly clothes, come outside, and sprinkle some blood there on the altar. There's a big altar here in the outer courts. Are you picturing it with me? Okay. But there's another goat. All right? We can't forget about that goat because that one's special too. So with that goat... I have to grab its head, well, not me, but Aaron, the high priest, <laughs> have to lay hands on the goat, okay? Lay hands on the head of the goat. And I have to speak, the Bible says, speak the wickedness of Israel into the little goat. Sad, but I know. Okay, goat, uh, I speak the wickedness of the people of Israel into you, uh, the fornication uh, the adultery, the stealing, the cheating, the gossip. I speak it all into you. The, the everything, the, the critical spirit, I, I speak that all into you, goat. And then uh, uh, even the sins that, that we don't even know about, goat, just take those two, okay, goaty. And, and uh, you're, yeah, so boom. Speak all the sins into the goat, okay? Then the people... Now, this is, this is interesting. This is like scientific almost. If anything goes wrong here, that or anything, there's still more, it's over, okay? Now, the people have to choose a man to take this goat, this wicked goat, this sinful goat, take it into the desert, the wilderness, and it has to get lost. This is called the scapegoat. You ever heard that word? Oh, they use me as a scapegoat. That's what you're saying about yourself if you ever say that. Okay, so they take the scapegoat, this man, he has to dress differently now. He can't go in his shirt like he has to dress in the linen clothes. He has to take the little goat, there, can't take an Uber or anything. He has to go in whatever and go to the desert way out there and leave the goat there and go back to camp before he can get back into camp. I know this is a lot. This is what religion looks like. Before getting back into camp, he has to wash himself, take those clothes away, leave those clothes outside, and come back in in regular clothes. Okay, guys, it's done. And they have to make sure that that goat doesn't come back. Because if that goat comes back, that means the sins came back. And then it's like, oh, no, my sins are back. <laughs> my sins are back. What are we going to do? So then uh, they wait. The scapegoat is lost. This man comes back in. And then Aaron says, okay, now we can sacrifice. We can start the fire for the, for the burning offering. So they start the fire. They burn the skin and the fat of the animal. The, the smoke goes up into heaven. And it's a pleasing sacrifice for the Lord. Amen. And they take all the insides of the animals, okay? Another man dressed in, you know, different clothes has to take the inside outside the camp, do an altar there, and burn that stuff 
outside. Then he, before he comes in, he has to bathe himself, get back to his regular clothes, and come back into camp. <sighs> okay. And that's how you get clean. <sighs> For the whole year. And then there's a celebration. Yeah, we're clean, guys. Woo, give me five. We're clean. We're clean. We did it. We made it. We did it, bro. We made it. We're so clean right now. Let's celebrate. Let's, let's sound the trumpets. Let's, let's give offering and tithing. God, things are good right now. Woo! And then five minutes later, uh, is it, though? I don't feel clean. I don't feel uh, pure before God. You don't think anybody thought like that ever? Okay, maybe not five minutes later, maybe the next day. They got up, they, they uh, cut someone off on the freeway. It, it, they, I don't know if they had any, but they did something wrong and, oh no. We just had the atonement yesterday. <sighs> now I'm dirty again. So one thing that needed to happen for sure, for sure, for these people, and you can relate to this, is they needed to believe what just had happened was real and true. If they didn't believe, it was pointless. Amen? It was just some animals dying. That's all it was. Sorry, vegetarians. That's all it was. They needed to have faith. Amen? Give God a hand. Praise the Lord. Can you imagine that process? Again, if anything goes wrong, death. Leviticus 16.34. You good so far? All right, there it is. This is the permanent law for you to purify the people of Israel from their sins, making them right with the Lord once each year. They were made right with God once a year. Are you with me? They were made right with God once a year. A year. They had to do this every single year, the same day, the same month, every single year they had to do this to be clean, to be fresh, to be pure before God. How tired would you get? How bored with you would you get? As some of you yawn really loudly. How bored would you get of doing this every single year? To purify yourself. To be clean before God. Would you be willing to do it? Those are good questions that you need to ask yourself. Because in this journey, it's important that you understand that what you reap, you sow. Amen? So the journey went from the, the outside, the outer courts, to the holy place to the most holy place, back outside to the holy place, to the outer courts, 
to outside the desert, then uh, take the sacrifice outside as well, the, the inside of the animal. Come back in. Everyone was atoned. That was the journey that the high priest had to take. Amen? Our high priest, Jesus Christ, took the same journey. But his sacrifice is not once a year. It's once and for all. That's it. So Jesus is in the scene, on the scene now, and he's betrayed by one of his guys named Judas with a kiss. They take him into prison and they start to question him. Then they take him to the governor, uh, governor named Pilate, Pontius Pilate. And Pontius Pilate is like, there's nothing wrong with this guy. This guy's innocent. This guy's clean. I, I find nothing wrong with him. The religious leaders are like, no, you need to crucify him. Wait, crucify him. We'll whip him 40 times. They whip him. They bring him back. And they're like, no, we still want you to crucify him. And Pilate is like, I see nothing wrong with this man. Amen? Because he was innocent. He was without sin. So Pilate gets this great idea. He's like, every year I release a prisoner. So we'll, I'll make them choose between this murderer, hello, for real, like a for real murderer, guilty as charged, like he's in jail already, and this innocent man named Jesus. Pilate is like, I will make them choose, and for sure they're going to choose the innocent one to be released, so I'll be good, and we'll crucify this murderer. Here, Pontius Pilate presents Barabbas and Jesus. These are the two goats. These are the two goats. One is wicked. One is innocent. Pontius Pilate is like, okay, which one should I release? And who do the people choose to release? Barabbas. And he gets to escape. He's a scapegoat now. He has, he's really wicked. He has really sinned. Jesus is innocent, so becomes the sacrifice of God in that moment. But he's innocent, just like that little goat was innocent. Because they didn't speak the sin into that goat before they slaughtered it. They did to the other one, and the other one escaped. Now, one note, they would take this goat to a desert that had a, a, a demon's name. The desert had a demon's name. It was called the Sazel. And it was believed a demon would have access to this goat. Because when you're full of sin, they legally have access to you. That's why you need to be clean and fresh. That's why you need to be pure. So Jesus is chosen to be the sacrifice in that moment. Pilate doesn't know what he's doing, but the father does. The father knows exactly what's happening in that moment. And what does Pilate do? It's not a coincidence. He turns around and he washes himself. Woo. He says, his blood is not on my hands. Cleansing. Cleansing rites, baptisms. This is what it's talking about. It's talking about being pure. They take Jesus and you know what happens. This is our faith. You know they take him to the cross. They, 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 they had whipped him. They, they put crown of thorns on him. They pierced his hands. And at the end, they pierced his side. Are you with me so far? Jesus dies 
the sacrifice, the Lamb of God, like that goat, he dies, the Lamb of God. But when he resurrects, he resurrects as high priest. So, yeah, this is an eternal God. He can do that. He, he dies as the Lamb of God. He dies as our perfect sacrifice. And when he resurrects, he resurrects as high priest. And in John chapter 20, we've read this several times. John chapter 20, uh, uh, Mary goes to see his tomb and his tomb is open. And she looks in there and there's no one and she starts panicking and she goes to Peter and John and tells Peter and John that his body's not there. I cannot find him. They run to the tomb. They look inside. And what do they see inside? They see his clothes inside, folded. His clothes folded in the cave, in the tomb. See, before the high priest had to exit the holy place, he had to change clothing. He had to leave the death clothing behind, the one that was sinful behind, and get into his priestly clothing. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Praise God. He had to get into his new clothes. And Mary looks in there. Mary looks inside. And she sees two angels in there. And the Bible's very uh, specific, and it says that there was an angel at the head of, of uh, the tomb and at the foot of the tomb. Man. He comes out, right? He's there. Mary's like, sees a gardener. Mary sees a gardener, some random gardener, and says, hey, where have you put him? Where have you laid him? Tell me. And he's like, who are you looking for? My Lord. Where is he at? Where have you put him? And he says, Mary. And she's like, oh, Rabbi, teacher, it's you. And he says, wait, don't touch me. Couldn't touch the high priest. Wait, don't, don't, hold on, don't touch me. I haven't ascended. I haven't gone to my father yet. Man, this is good. I haven't ascended to my father yet. I need a... I need to take the blood. I need to take my blood. Well, the blood of the Lamb of God. Right now I'm high priest. I need to take the blood of the sacrifice to pay for your sin. You can't touch me yet. I haven't cleaned you yet. So he then goes to the Father. Let's go to Hebrews. Hebrews 9, verse 11. Now, there's, there's quite a bit of debate about this. Some scholars say, no, you know, he, uh, she couldn't touch him because he was in a hurry. Like a lot of scholars, like most scholars. I'm going to go with the other guys. They believe that they could, he couldn't be touched because of the glory and the purity that he had on him, that he needed to take the blood first. That same night, he appears to all the disciples. Thomas is not there. You remember that? Thomas is not there. And all the disciples are there. And he's like, look. Look at my, the holes. Look at the hole on my side. He, they don't touch him either. I thought they did. They didn't touch him, actually. I looked at it again. Then eight days later, he appears again to them. Now Thomas is there. Eight days go by from resurrection to the next uh, Let's say Sunday, eight days go by. And now he tells Thomas, hey, 
Come, touch me. Hebrews 9, verse 11. So Christ has now become the high priest over all the good things that have come. He has entered that greater, more perfect tabernacle in heaven, which was not made by human hands and is not part of this created world. With, with his own blood, not the blood of goats and calves, he entered the most holy place once, not for a year, once for all time, and secured our redemption forever. Under the old system, the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer could cleanse people's bodies from ceremonial impurity. Just think how much more the blood of Christ will purify our conscience from sinful deeds so that we can worship the living God. Let me say something here. You cannot worship God and be unclean. That's why Jesus, his blood has purified you. So you can enter into the most holy place and worship God. Cannot enter without his blood. So those of us, all of us that are in here that have believed and his blood has cleansed us, we can enter into worship. Not everybody has that access. Christ offered himself to God as a perfect sacrifice for our sins. That is why he is the one who mediates a new covenant between God and people. So that all who are called can receive the eternal inheritance God has promised. I promised them. For Christ died to set them free from the penalty of the sins they had committed under that first covenant. Let's go to the next chapter, if you will. Verse 5. Chapter 10, verse 5. Now, before I read verse 5, picture this. This is Jesus talking to the Father. But in sort of in, in, in an eternal state. So if when you read, and you can study this, when you read the language here as we read it, you can see that Jesus is not talking from a point of view of, of him here on earth. He's talking from like an eternal place. So look, that's why it's, Hebrews 10 is, is, is awesome, and verse 5 particularly. That is why when Christ came into the world, he said to God, You did not want animal sacrifices or sin offerings, but you have given me a body to offer. You were not pleased with burnt offerings or other offerings for sin. Then I said, look, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written about me in the scriptures. First, Christ said, you did not want animal sacrifices or sin offerings or burnt offerings or other offerings for sin, nor were you pleased with them, though they are required by the law of Moses. Then he said, look, I have come to do your will. He cancels the first covenant in order to put the second into effect. For God's will was for us to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all time. Under the old covenant, the priest stands and ministers before the altar day after day, offering the same sacrifices again and again, which can never take away sins. But our high priest offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins, good for all time. Then he sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. There he waits until his enemies are humbled and made his footstool under his feet. For by that one offering, he forever made perfect those who are being made holy. He made us perfect. The Bible says in that verse 14, for by that one offering, he made perfect those that are being made holy. 
He made perfect. He made you perfect in your position in him. I know your performance is not perfect, but that's why it says he made perfect those that are being made holy. Daily walking with Christ, being made holy before him. Meaning there's a positional holiness that he gives you, but there is a daily walk. Now you have to walk out holiness. And that's the part where it's our responsibility, where we have to be obedient to the Lord and walk out our holiness. Let's skip to verse 18. I wish I could read all of it, but let's just skip. And when sins have been forgiven, there is no need to offer any more sacrifices. No need. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. Listen to this part. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. Man, give him a hand for that. It says that he sprinkled with his blood and cleansed our conscience and our bodies with pure water. That's clean and fresh there. The question is, how do I maintain this? How do I respond? I mean, this is a big, elaborate, I could have took two Sundays to talk about this. But this is a big, elaborate journey and, and you know, process that Jesus had to take. The Aaron process was extensive and powerful because it cleansed them for, for that year. But the process and the journey that Jesus took also extensive and powerful because they and his blood even more powerful because it cleansed us forever, the Bible says. So the question here now, the question is not how do I get clean? Well, I I get clean by the blood of Jesus. And how do I stay clean? I stay clean because I'm aware that I got clean and I live it out. Amen. Let me read this statement to you. Holiness is a tricky subject. Very tricky. It gets miscommunicated, that's me, and misunderstood, that's you. God makes us holy by the power of his blood and then empowers us to live holy by the power of his spirit. Yet, there is still a choice to be obedient. There's still a choice to be obedient to the call of God on your life. And I want to end with 2 Corinthians chapter 6. And then we're going to take Holy Communion. And you guys know what I mean by end. Let me read it and then talk about it a little bit. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. This is probably the most important part that maybe you should write notes for. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 13. Are you there? Look at Paul, his heart, 13. I am asking you to respond as if you were my own children. Open your hearts to us about this next thing. Don't team up with those who are unbelievers. How can righteousness be a partner with wickedness? How can light live with darkness? 
What harmony can there be between Christ and the devil? How can a believer be a partner with an unbeliever? And what union can there be between God's temple and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will live in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they will be my people. So I'm just, I pulled out five things, practical things that Paul gives us here. And I, please, I would love your entire attention. This is important. Okay? Number one, he says, don't team up with unbelievers. Now, I know that sounds strange, right? But to team up means that I cheer for everything that they do. I celebrate their sin. That's what teaming up means. Other versions say do not be unequally yoked to an unbeliever. Okay? Back in the day, you could see this in Leviticus, some people would have the bright idea to take an ox and yoke them with a donkey and then put the plow on them and expect them to do a straight line. Now, the ox is very, very intelligent and very, he goes. The donkey, on the other hand, he goes when he wants to go. So how do you expect to do a straight line with the oxes going at one speed and the donkey might not be going at all. So what it's talking about here is be careful with your relationships because one of you may be going one way and the other may be going another way. So this is very practical to how to maintain an awareness of your holiness. Don't team up with unbelievers so much so that you're carrying something and going another way. Does that make sense? That's number one. Number two, what Paul says, righteousness cannot partner with wickedness. You cannot, and I underline cannot, live two lives in Christ. If you are righteous, which you are by the blood of Christ, you cannot live, you cannot partner with wickedness. Because if you partner with evil sin, which was, uh, wickedness means, if you partner with it, if you indulge in it, it will come crumbling down for you. Eventually, things will crash and burn. God will be there to save you because he loves you. But you don't want that. You don't want it the hard way. Listen to me, please, carefully. Do not partner up with wickedness because you are righteous. You are clean and pure before God. So don't partner up with it. Amen? Amen. Number three, light cannot live with darkness. That's what Paul says. Live, uh, light cannot live with darkness. In other words, darkness does not understand light. It has no comprehension. That's why when you look at the news and you look at social media and you get mad about this and this social thing and that social thing and you're like, they don't get it. They're not. They're in darkness. Our job is not to just bring the light, it's to be the light. Amen? Our job is to preach the gospel and see people come into the light, not try to just bring light Man, I'm, I'm so disappointed in, in some believers. We're like, like, we're blurring the lines too much. We're normalizing sin. We're like, yeah, it's okay. It happens. You're not the first one or the last one. It's cool. No, like, like we're the next generation. Like, we have to stand up for what we believe. 
We cannot just normalize sin. I know we're, we're Grace and Love Church, but we're not, you know, uh, you know what I'm saying? I'm not just going to allow people to just live how they want. I can't. And then, uh, you know, try and be in, no. Mm-mm. Can't. Can't. God, God paid so much price for you to just, just throw it all away. Be encouraged by the Holy Spirit. Let him guide you. Don't partner up with wickedness. Please, don't partner up with wickedness. It's going to hurt you at the end. Number four, uh, Paul, his words. uh, Christ and the devil cannot have harmony. Just in case you didn't know. Means Jesus and, and the devil, if they were to sing a song together, the Lord rebuked that thought. They could not harmonize. They could not live in the same space. How? How can Jesus live with that? That They have two different agendas. Jesus wants you to live a righteous life, holy, blessed, beloved, awesome family, all of that. The devil wants to destroy you. So they, they have two different agendas. And you know that already. And number five, God's temple cannot have idols. We cannot admire, worship, and celebrate anything else like we do Jesus. Nothing. We, can, we must worship, admire, and celebrate Jesus above everything else. And I want you to ask yourself this question in your heart. Is there anything in your life right now that you're admiring, worshiping, and celebrating more than Jesus? And if there's anything in your heart that is taking that place, you need to remove it. If it's a relationship, if it's a hobby, if it's a career, if it's anything, nothing should take the place of Jesus. Because as soon as something does, it, it, it hurts. It hurts. I've been there. I've been there. That's why Paul says, God's temple I'm sorry, and what union can there be between God's temple and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. That's us. And we cannot have anything else above Jesus. So these are the five things. Don't team up with unbelievers, meaning don't cheer on the things that unbelievers do. Bring them out of those things. Don't just stay quiet either, because that's the same thing. Righteousness cannot partner with wickedness. You cannot live two lives. Light cannot live with the darkness, with darkness, meaning that literally there's no reasoning with darkness. You cannot reason with it. Christ and the devil have no harmony, and God's temple cannot have any idols. We must worship, admire, and celebrate Jesus and Jesus alone. These five things, if you focus on them, if you focus on Jesus, if you focus on, on what he did for you, all that, that journey that I spoke about, you will walk out holiness. On top of that, what the Lord does is he puts the Holy Spirit inside of you that empowers all of those five things that I just talked about. He empowers those exact five things and more. And if you pay attention to the Holy Spirit, if you walk in the Holy Spirit, you will reap life. Because he talks to you. You know when you're about, I remember when I was about to uh, do something. Uh, I'm just going to say, I was about to go to Cynthia's house when I was dating her. And, and I knew she, her parents weren't there. 
And I could hear the Holy Spirit in my heart saying, don't go, don't go, don't go. And I would be like, nah, I'm good. I'm listening to worship right now in my car. We'll have Holy Communion together. We'll pray, God, no, don't, don't trip. And the Holy Spirit would be like, don't go. I know you. I know who you are more than you know yourself. And sure enough, we would fail. I would fail because I wasn't obedient. How do I get clean? How do I stay clean? How do I get clean? Jesus, he did it all. How do I stay clean? Believing that I got clean and living it out. Amen? Now you may say, well, I don't think Christians can get dirty. Okay, fine. You can believe that if you want. But I've seen believers that are addicted to porn, addicted to drugs. Uh, They're living two lives. Maybe they don't get dirty. They don't lose their value. But they can be trapped by sin. And we need to be careful. Amen? The Bible says, do not, do not be friends with the world. Now, that's, that's tough. That's tough to hear from, from God. But he means the system the world preaches, the values, the principles of the world. Because then he says, love others. So he's not saying don't love people. He's just saying you don't have to agree with them, but you can love them. It's so funny. On our way here, we heard a testimony about these two Muslim ladies that walked into a restaurant. And a person said that he didn't want them sitting next to, to, to him. And he said, do you have a, like a bomb under your, your garments or whatever? And, and just made this big deal. And the ladies felt bad. And um, then the waiter came and, and everything stopped. And she said, uh, uh, you know, maybe you should leave because I don't think anyone here, you know, cares about you. And, and she even said, does anyone care about these people? And, and, and somebody from the back said, nobody. And I think the way that, that God is and, and what he's called us to do is to have compassion and love and say, if, if we would have been there, say, hey, uh, I do. As a matter of fact, you, you can sit with my family. We don't have to agree, but I love the people. And, and if it comes to that place of disagreement, I'm going to tell you what I believe because I stand on the truth. But I'm not going to like not and hate people. Another thing that has happened recently that I'm just like hurting about. Sorry, I'm just going to tell you because we need to pray about these things. In Berkeley, there's been riots and, and fights and things going on. I don't know if you've noticed that. Uh, watch some news at least, you know, not all the time, but, you know, you know look and see what's happening. Uh, they'll invite a, a conservative speaker and, and some riots would start. And now the cops are just letting people fight like with sticks and, and rocks. And they're just like one side and the other like old school and they're just fighting. And, I, and I'm watching some of these videos, Lord forgive me, and, and I see some, vi- some guys dressed in these shirts. I don't know if you've ever seen these shirts that says like, repent or go to hell, you know, Jesus or go to hell. And you know those guys with the picket signs, those shirts, fighting, like, like punching and kicking people. I guess in the name of the Lord, I don't know. I'm like, are you kidding me? 
So I'm not saying go and disagree like that. You can disagree but love and have compassion and say, I stand on the truth and I'm going to walk this thing out in holiness. You're holy and perfect before God. Now he just wants you to walk it out. The devil wants you not to. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to steal the perception of your joy, kill the perception of your peace, and even destroy the perception of you standing right with God. Amen? Thank you for listening to the Grace and Love podcast. We hope you were blessed by this message. If you have a prayer request, we would love to hear from you. Please feel free to contact us. And if you're in the LA area, we would love to meet you. We have services Sundays at 2 p.m. and Fridays at 8 p.m. We are located at 1900 Medford Street, Montebello, California, 90640. Thanks again, and God bless you.